Hi, I'm Trinity Wheeler. And I'm Alan Shaw. And this is Rhapsody Radio. Well, Trinity, you already got me in trouble with our running coach. Yeah, I sure did. (laughs) So... (laughs) Here's the update on the marathon training, which is really not a marathon because we're running the oh. Dopey Challenge at Walt Disney World. We're running the 5K, 10K, half marathon, full marathon. Torture Fest. It's a torture fest. 2019. So, 2020, actually. I know. We tried to talk Mary Beth into it. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm out. <laughs> I said no. <laughs> no, ma'am. What, she told me, she said, I used to run half marathons, uh-huh. and then you ran your first marathon, and what happened? A- and I... Well, all right. So, <laughs> God, like the trauma, oh, it's wow. still there. Yeah. So I got into half marathons. I was running them with one of my best friends that I grew up with. Her name is Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was our way to kind of keep in touch. So we would pick a race in a city that we either hadn't been to before or hadn't been to in a while. And that was our thing. We would do a couple races a year. Uh-huh. And then, uh, as with most things, we got this wild hair about leveling up. Uh, yeah. So then we start talking marathon. But I was just not equipped. Like, I I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. I'd been winging it up until that point. And y'all, spoiler alert, you can't wing a marathon. You right? totally can't. <laughs> like, totally can't. There's, It's over at least really 10 miles. You really can't do it. And so... By mile 15, I could feel my damn bones grinding. <laughs> I'm like, I've already lost half an inch. Yeah. I'm going down. I'm going this down. is where it ends. Someone find me. Yeah. You know, push me across you the finish line. You had a few come line. to Jesus moments, probably. I really did. I really did. And, and I eventually, eventually uh-huh. made it across the finish line. And I remember thinking, never again. And and I haven't. I haven't run more than three miles since then. Oh, really? True story, yeah. And <laughs> well, this reason, was three years ago. Well, well yeah. here's the thing. The reason why I got in trouble was the fr- <laughs> our very first run, Trinity was like, we're running it together. I need you to run it with me because <laughs> Let's just I'm not going to get through This it. whole running thing, and I have, I, have had, I have a newfound respect for people that are true runners. Mm-hmm. It is absolute torture, <laughs> hell, fire, and brimstone for yeah. me when I'm running. Oh, it's... I and, hate it. If somebody was watching you run by, they'd say the same thing. Like the flood of the sad like, and lonely. Why does he look like the devil? <laughs> Holy <laughs> I, I have crossed over so many times on no. those runs. It is literally the well, worst thing I've ever done in my life. Well, Ray, but I'm not going to give up no matter what. So we have this running coach named Ray. He's amazing. Is amazing. Ray, Ray's like... He's like, wax on. Wax on. <laughs> Wax on. <laughs> he is like our, he is our the most amazing yeah. guy ever. <laughs> but he texted me. I was I was out for my like third run of the week. And he was like, this is your pace for today. And he gave me my pace, which was like 11.15. He's like nice. one of those speed walkers in the mall. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> It is. It Let's is, just say I run a little faster than that. I'll have you know that 11.15 is a very... Um, it, it is a good, solid pace. It is a solid pace. But I misunderstood. I thought this whole marathon training thing was going to be, oh, great. I'm going to get to run with Alan, who's more of a runner than I am, and I'm going to have like that mental support there with me. Mm-hmm. So race coach comes up and says, no, you actually, for now, because you're slower, you're not going to train at the same pace as Alan. So I have to go do all these runs on my own. And so 
I didn't know this. And so I told Alan, I said, hey, Alan, I talked to Ray. He said 11.15 today. So we're going to go run 11.15. We went and ran it. And it was fine. And then so Alan... So I texted Ray and I said, hey, Ray, um, it, I did the run. Uh, we did it at 11.15. Um, I, it felt great. Um, it felt a little easy. Felt Why a little, would you do that? Yeah, I was like... What it, were you it thinking? It felt a little easy. And he, and he wrote back a diatribe of five different points of the reasoning behind why my pace was not 11.15, but 9.30. And he said, well, the reason why it felt easy was because that wasn't your pace. And I was like, I'm already oh, getting in trouble. Burn. I was like, oh, I'm trying my best here. <laughs> I was I was asleep taking a nap and Alan walks and he says, yeah, you got me in trouble with Ray. <laughs> <laughs> so can we talk about my first Ray interaction? Yes, yes. please. So, I love Ray okay. was at the gym and Mary Beth came in. And I came in and I, w- I walk in the door and Trinity's in the back of the gym with a gentleman I have not met yet. And this gentleman, who I now know is Ray, is holding a 20 pound vest. And I know it's a 20 pound vest from across the room because you know the 20 pound vest. I, you, yeah. Yeah, I think it was called No Pecs, No Sex. Exactly. Yeah. They're all so named. They're all, yeah. named. <laughs> all of our vests have names embroidered on the front. <laughs> So the the pair motion me back and they're walking towards me and Ray's still holding the 20 pound vest. This is important. <laughs> and he sticks out his hand, he introduces himself and he launches into this soliloquy about how when he trains his athletes, he's gender neutral. Mm-hmm. And he believes that women and men can, or can achieve the same things and do the same things and run the same races. Right. Awesome, Ray. I, I, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Yeah. Love the love the energy you're bringing to the table. Don't like that you're holding a 20 pound vest. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, I'm 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 bringing this this feminism energy, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, fight the good fight. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, shit. <laughs> Will I get a snack first? Well, yeah. Can I stretch? You know, yeah. Just where Can is this going, Ray? Yeah. Ray's amazing, but he's got us on a good path we have 35 weeks left yeah. of running now before, before the dopey challenge yeah and we'll definitely keep you updated over the next many episodes because i'm sure there'll be a lot of developments yeah. and hopefully i'm going to become quicker so that i can run at alan's pace so i don't have to suffer the torture that is running <laughs> <laughs> i mean it has been great that this last week i mean the runs that we've done they've been progressively getting Easier in the sense of yeah, I actually and- I actually felt okay on the last run. Yeah, but I, I do truly to all the runners out there, massive respect. You know, I've been a CrossFitter for years, mm-hmm. and I can definitely suffer through a workout, but. That is That's something two hundred meters or less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a difference yeah. between twenty minutes and two hours. Yeah, yeah for it sure. is something very different. And, and huge respect to everyone out there. For sure, I am super excited about today's episode. Me too. We, what? yeah, I know. Oh. We have Gaten Matarazzo, yes. who is an older friend of ours from Les Mis. Um, he was 12 years old when we met him. He played Gavroche in Les Mis with us for years. Yeah. Um, you will probably know him as Dustin Henderson from Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger yes. Things. I don't know. Th- how does the um, the theme song go? No. Mary Beth is a huge fan of Stranger Things. I'm a huge fan. So Steve and I, my boyfriend Steve and I, we kind of fell in love to Stranger Things. So... Because this is a safe space, I will share this with the group. I am a bit of a chicken shit when it comes... 
to a lot of things. Yes. But especially what I watch. So I'm, you know, a, a bubbles and rainbows, and I like the happy stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like being upset, and I really don't like being scared. In fact, oh. when I get scared, my reaction is very similar to anger, which scares people in return. So it's do not you, great. It's not do a great Do you also, like, scene. hit things as well? I do. do. Yeah. There's, yeah. Um, <laughs> I get aggressive. Anyway, so... I'm dating, I'm just starting to date this guy, mm-hmm. and he says, hey, I want to introduce you to this show I'm really into, uh, Stranger Things, and he gives me the log line, and the log line is, you know, a show set in the 1980s, it's a sci-fi horror thriller mm-hmm. about this underworld plane that enters into our present plane, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> what? So you're like, how am I going to get out of this? Okay, How yeah. am I going to get out of this? This, yeah. But again, cute bearded man beast. So we watch yeah. it. And I, I'm, a, I'm crazy <laughs> about the show. I'm crazy about it. I, again, I'm a total wimp when we watch it. I'm like behind a pillow the whole yeah. time because there are monsters that pop yeah. out, y'all. That's a thing that happens. And oh my they're gosh. terrifying. But anyway, the characters in the story, they're just captivating. And you fall in love with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dustin's character is, is a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, so just being able to meet him, quote unquote, yeah. meet him. But one of the coolest things about this is as we've been talking more about this episode and gearing up for it, yeah. is you realize that not only is he this phenomenal actor and this great character, but he's a really cool human. Yeah, absolutely. For yeah. sure. I mean, that was uh, that was sort of the past when Trinity and I were talking about, hey, who are we wanting to get on um, Rhapsody Radio and who who sort of gives us that life of being, you know, tena- talent and tenacity and and uh, really grounded. Uh, Gaten kept coming up into our the minds of being like, we have to have him on because, you know, you Stranger Things and Les Mis and all that stuff, but also just I want to know more about him as a person and what drives him and what his, his mindset is and everything, and that's what you're going to get today in the episode, and I'm super excited to have a chat with him. Oh, I'm Perfect. so starstruck. Gaten Matarazzo coming up next. Woo. Gaten, welcome to Rap City Radio. Thank you for having me. We're so happy that you're here, man. I am too. Early on when we were creating the show, we wanted to do a show based on talent and tenacity. And we had a list of people that we kept going through and we were like, kept coming back to you. So we, Al and I were on Les Mis and Gaten came into the show and instantly won over everyone there. It was just, it was just amazing to have this guy that sort of redefine the role of Gavroche. So, Gaten, when was the first time, like, before Les Mis, yeah. when you discovered a talent? And, and what was that that really put you on the path to, to theater and then now TV? Um, I think it just started with voice lessons. It just started with my sister singing and me having to go to her voice lessons because I couldn't stay home alone. I would just sit in the kitchen listening to my sister and ask my mom if I could start and she let me and uh So it's more out of convenience. <laughs> yeah. It was great. And but the thing is the first time like my mom figured that I would just take a lesson, realize that it wasn't all that fun and then I I go in for my first lesson and I think the thing that stood out to me was that uh, my new voice teacher was uh, just doing some 
matching pitch and just doing some basic warm-ups that everyone has to do when they first get started, mm-hmm. checking my range. And uh, she was really impressed with my ability to uh, to match pitch, which is cool. And, like, she would, she would tell me that it was rare for someone to be as, uh, like, I guess attuned to hearing it. And then I thought I was like, I thought I was hot shit. <laughs> You're like, Oh, I found something that I'm good at. All right. Look yeah. at this. And then I can't, and then I tried to do stuff. She's like, stop it. What are you doing? <laughs> and I liked, I liked that about her. She, she wasn't anyone to just shove compliments down your throat. She was telling you the truth the whole time. <laughs> and that's, I think part of the reason why I got into it, because I, I really like when people, it's weird. I like being criticized just because mm-hmm. I feel like it brings out a sense of motivation. And it just started from there. It just started from that a bit, uh, that need to be better. Yeah, definitely for us, you know, opening the business as feedback is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being open to that, for sure. And I wonder how how you came to that in, uh, in su- at such a young age. You know, of having that, being able to take that criticism and then also being able to um, use it as fire or fuel for yourself. You need to use the negative things to transform them into positives. I think that's always a possibility. And it's hard at first. Like, that's the thing about acting as a whole. Everybody who's in the business knows it is that you're going to have to get used to rejection and criticism. Because you're going to get a lot of it. And it's just something that's part of the game. And you just have to understand that there are ways to get through it. And you can make a positive out of it. And once you do, you pretty much can keep on going for as long as you can keep going. A lot of people will start auditioning and start uh, performing. And they will receive that criticism. And like you said, they'll think that they're not good enough and they will stop because they can't take rejection or they can't take criticism. And that's not a bad thing at all. It's natural. and Everybody feels hurt whenever they get rejected. It's just, you gotta, sometimes you just get used to that, like that little bit of pain after like a certain or whatever. And then you just move on with it. That's the most important thing. I think. So like, what are some of the ways that you found when you, you know, you do get rejected early on in, in your career? How do you, what are some of the mechanisms that you use to sort of pick yourself back up or, or redefine yourself to be able to pick back up and go back in the room and go at it again? What was really easy about it was the way that my mom and my manager handled things. My manager actually uh, uh, signed with my sister when she went to a showcase in New York, and I met her there, and she decided to uh, hear me because uh, my mom was talking to her, and she told her that I sang, and I wanted to get into it too, and so she had me read and sing, and then she ended up signing me as well. So we were both signed with this uh, one. She's still my manager today, actually. That's amazing. She's really like a second mom. She's amazing. She's family. But I mean, that's a big thing for me too. Is looking at your family and knowing that your mom, knowing your family, knowing your mom and your all, all your siblings coming from such a, it feels like coming from such a grounded background. That's that really helps. Yeah, we're a weird family, but we love each other. So <laughs> <laughs> I hear your mom's doing CrossFit now. Yeah, I'm actually doing CrossFit too. What you what? are? <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, I am. It's actually pretty fun. You're just blowing my mind. What, uh, did I? No, you just, you're blowing my mind right now. This is awesome. Yay. Welcome to the addiction. 
<laughs> pretty cool. And I we know uh, our, I guess you could say trainer in, uh, we we've known her forever. So that's amazing. Yeah, she's great. Talk about you know suffering together with people and and sometimes handling rejection. It teaches you a lot in CrossFit. Oh, it sure does. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Back to that, like handling the rejection at the young age. My my manager and my mom, their one thing was I would go to an audition and then afterwards they just wouldn't talk about it. They just wouldn't talk about it because I would ask a couple questions the first couple of auditions and they would just say we'll see and then just change the subject. Actually, I just got used to not talking about it and not addressing the audition. Like you put your A game and you put 100% into each audition you do and then you just forget about it and wait for the next one. And at the time when I was auditioning most, when I was around eight or nine, I was auditioning three times a week. And so I was, it kind of just became routine. Just getting in there and leaving without getting anything. And that was kind of normal. And eventually, after a while, I started to think, why am I just settling for two years of constant rejection? Maybe it's just not for me. And that's when when it started to happen. So building off of this concept of being enough and doing well enough and accepting rejection and criticism and growing from it, one of the things that we talk about all the time, and this I think is a crossover or a common theme between the entertainment industry, business, life, love, whatever it is you're trying to do, this whole concept of being good enough to have a seat at the table. And I think we all bring a sense of talent to whatever it is we want to do. But one of the things I think that people don't give themselves enough credit for is the opportunity to learn and develop a skill and practice. And that's part of the deal. You don't get to bypass that. Yeah. So talking a little bit about the talent you bring to the table, what were some things you had to learn and teach yourself along the way? Oh, gosh, there's so many. That's the thing is that people assume that the whole the whole industry is based off of people who are born with a certain talent. And some people, I don't think that people are born with the ability to act or sing. I think people are born with the ability to learn how to, people are born with the, with the determination because Mm -hmm. it's really just a matter of trying, I believe. Like when you, when you want to act and when you want to sing and it's just about, obtaining that information you learn like for my first auditions like i remember how it went and it's not even just about necessarily the way you perform in the audition it's kind of the way you have to carry yourself in a way that will get the casting directors to notice you in a way and at first you think it's being super big and and excited and looking like really cliche and like you don't need to dress up for audition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But those are my favorite people at auditions. To <laughs> yeah. My first, like, three auditions for the Lamest tour, I dressed up. To this day, Gaten, like, Eponines will come in and they'll be dressed, to, they'll have the long coat, they'll have the hat on, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And so you think that's going to make you stand out, but then you realize that so many people are doing that. I think what really uh, will stand out is professionalism and politeness and commitment like knowing the material 100 percent, understanding exactly uh what it is you need to do i mean don't like dressing a slot but like just like it's literally a, jo- it's a job interview it's a job interview yeah mm-hmm. except you're 
you're demonstrating what you would be doing. It's like going to a job interview and they, like, if you were going to, uh, I'm just going to pick a random, if you were, like, going to work in construction, like, it would be like going to a job interview and then having them be like, build this. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. right. it's kind of what yeah. it is. And you just have yeah. to yeah. treat it like such and they will, and people will, rem- will remember you. And even if you don't get that role, you're going to be noticed by those directors but they're going to bring you back for stuff. That's what people don't understand. The minute you get noticed by a certain casting director or any director, they're going to want you back for something eventually. Right. It, go- it comes full circle. What goes around comes around. So you have to – this true professionalism and commitment – is really the most important thing. Absolutely. You just hit on something that really hit home for me was about being kind. And I'm working with a director right now on a project and she, she's, I have a tremendous amount of respect for her, but no matter how good you are when you come into the room, she will not hire someone if she doesn't check or have someone check a reference of how they are to work with and if they're kind people. There's so many who look at the cliches. It's what I think is so ironic is that in entertainment, the entertainment industry is represented so poorly. So ironic. Why in movies is the process of making a movie so wrong? Like, you don't see it as much in theater, uh, but I, I mean, I haven't seen a musical or a play that revolves around uh, the making of a movie or a play, so it's, it's hard to say there, but definitely in, like... That's why I really liked, uh... I really like La La Land. Mm-hmm. Because they actually, it was a really pretty solid representation of how auditioning works and like she was a good representation of uh, a lot of young aspiring actresses and actors was the whole dressing up for the parts and 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 the, the nervousness and the awkwardness of the cast characters it was really kind of nostalgic to be honest well you know personally you know going into auditions once i actually found the ability to bring myself to the room and have and bring my own unique um, storytelling coming from myself. That's when I started booking work. It was never. It was never the moment when I was like, "Oh, well, this is what they. I think that they need," versus being like, you know, "This is me as a person." You know? For sure. Yeah. yeah, you have to bring yourself. You have to put yourself into the role because if you don't, then it's generic and it's a carbon copy. Right. And it's. Really, it's not fun for people to to watch when they see the same thing over and over again. They're not going to notice you. You have to stand out, even if you don't. Even if you wouldn't necessarily perform it that way, mm-hmm. if it gets them to notice you, it's it's important. And that's another thing is confidence. It's totally. really a lot of confidence. But like you were saying, with uh, being kind, I think that's crazy important. Just because so many people go into the entertainment industry thinking that they're gonna be the next whoever and they think they can treat people as if they were inferior to them and mm-hmm. those are the people that are going to go anywhere if like that's what i say if you're go, if you're going into the business for status or if you're going into the business for a sense of superiority you're not <coughs> casting directors and directors and producers all know who those people are and i think that transcends any industry you know, whether you're in banking or fitness, I mean, being kind is paramount. So one of the things we're talking about here that I really want to dig into is this concept of showing up in a way that's genuine and authentic to you, coming in, doing your own thing and owning it, which is really challenging to do as an adult. So one of the things that I think is so amazing about you is that you really showed up 
true to you. So much so that characters were written around you. So how do you say, how do you stay the course on that? How do you stay grounded and true to yourself when there's so much pressure to fit a mold or show up in a certain way? How do you do that? Well, when it comes to staying grounded, I always remind myself with with that situation, uh, when I was cast as Dustin in Stranger Things, and the character is a lot like me with the whole uh, with the bone condition that uh, we both share and a lot of the personality traits. It's really cool, but I just have to remember that they hadn't even had the character written at all. Well, I mean, yeah. the character was, he was a character, and he was going to be there. They just didn't know exactly what they were going to do. He was just a stereotype. He was just going to be... Uh, Chunk from the Goonies, and he was just like a copy, like, we'll put that character in this show, mm-hmm. and I hope wow. and then I get there, and they're like, we just need to put some uniqueness in this, and it wasn't necessarily because it was me, I think they just, well, of course, I'm really flattered because they put me in the show in the first place, and they enjoyed my performance, which is really great, and I'm mm-hmm. so grateful for that, but I think, I don't think it was necessarily because of me personally, I think they just wanted to make the character itself unique. Mm-hmm. So I think it was less like, oh, look at me, I'm in this show now and they're doing this for me. I feel like it was more uh, me trying to pull it off for them. And it's not even all, like, there are attributes, but like, there, he was always going to be a similar type character. So again, you know, when, when we started out with you, you know, you were just on the brink of starting your career and now you've had this success. How do you stay grounded? Like, how do you, Live your. I saw. We saw on Instagram last night. You posted your prom photos, which is amazing. So how do you, how do you stay grounded? I don't like the idea of not mm-hmm. being grounded. It scares me, and I get to see so many people that I've grown to know and love that have changed because of it. There's just so many people, and there's just a list of people that just I, I've noticed that aren't the same at all, and it's hard to communicate or understand their perspective when you don't agree with it at all it's always just there's such a simple saying that people don't understand and people don't or if they do understand they don't care it's just it's not about you it's not about you it's about the people watching it's about the, the people who are, have made it and i just i think the way you keep encountered is the way i think and even though i definitely think of my job as more than this and i think of what i'm doing as more than this, I always just think to myself that my job is to show up and do what yeah. I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally what you're supposed to do as an actor, especially in film. You just go, you show up on time when you need to, and you do what you're told. Right. You're not the boss of anybody. When it comes to having any say on set, you are bottom tier. Your job is to listen to your directors. If you do something and they say, don't do that, you have to listen to them. <laughs> it's so refreshing. It's great. And some people don't understand that. And there are people who talk back to their superiors. And it's just, it's not, it, they don't know their place. Yeah. Right. And also, I think it has to do with just staying home and not moving out to LA or, or going up to New York just yet. I have a feeling that I'm going to go to New York, whether it be for school or whether it be for work again. Yeah. 
But uh, so parallel there with CrossFit, it's yeah. like you just show up and do what you're told. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the reason I yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. So getting going to uh, the groundedness and talking about the groundedness, um, you know, now that you are in the public eye, what what are some things or what is one thing that like people don't know about you that they that you wish that they knew about you? Well, I guess there's a. Uh... I guess there's quite a bit that's just subconsciously there and I don't even realize it until like a weird mood comes out. And so sometimes I'm just not having it. And then I'll realize that like, I wish people knew that like for some reason, like I get angry at the fact that people don't know that I started in theater or that I don't know that like, Mm -hmm. don't know where my passions lie. When I'm so proud of coming from theater and kind of at an obnoxious level, like I'm not going to say it's not obnoxious about how much I talk about, starting a theater it's kind mm-hmm. of like a gag on set like anytime we're having an interview and somebody asks me about it mm-hmm. we're like all right we'll go and have coffee for a second we'll come back in half an hour when he's done talking about it the passion and the excitement that i get from it and so i tell them that like i'm going back to theater and they look at me like i'm crazy I'm like why would you do that I'm like, it's, yeah. the most sati- it's the most satisfying work well you are going back to theater you're going to play Jack and Into the Woods at Hollywood Bowl? Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> the rehearsal process is going to be really short. Two, it's like over a little over two weeks. We start July 8th, and our first performance is July 26th. Yeah, that's scary. And I'm not going to be there July 8th. I'm going to be there on like July 10th, because I'm going to be in Italy for a press thing, which is cool, but i got to get to rehearsal. Have you ever played Jack? I've not played Jack. I want to. All the productions that I've seen... All the ones that I've gone out for, they've always cast an 18 and up, which is crazy to me because Jack's not an adult and neither is Little Red. No, but I'm excited. Really glad for the opportunity. I'm so excited. It's going to be great. And then season three of Stranger Things is July the 4th. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's going to awesome. be really cool. So excited. Um, I'm nervous, obviously. I'm more excited and more just anxious to get it over with i just want people to know what happens just because there's just so many questions now all anyone asks me is for spoilers of course yeah yeah i can't tell you anything um where can people find you at on instagram facebook instagram twitter i'm barely ever on twitter though so don't even go to twitter (laughs) (laughs) me too what's your handle on uh instagram uh it's uh it's so embarrassing um i made it when i was nine and i didn't bother changing it because i never went on instagram and all mm-hmm. of a sudden after the show came out people mm-hmm. started looking up my name and mm-hmm. finding me on instagram and I, up mm-hmm. until i got verified people were always yelling at me for being a fake account i was like jeez <laughs> you needed the blue check and then yes. like half of them were like you're a terrible person Exploiting this child, I'm like, all right, right, settle down. It's called Gaten M one two three. It's sticky. Yeah, it's easy to remember. Hey, Gaten, thank you so much, and we'll um we'll catch up with you soon. Definitely. Um, that was awesome. That was totally awesome. One, I miss Still him. Still starstruck. Yeah, I, I do miss I him. I miss him. As, just you know. seeing him every day backstage at the theater and, and in the show is just was really, really special. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's so humble. And, and you know, that's one of our core values of our business. And, that's and life, something that, yeah. You know, this this guy that, that started this career was humble when he started, and then now he's had all this success and remains that way. Mm-hmm. Says a lot. Says a lot about his mom, who yeah. is amazing. Yeah, Heather is probably... I wish she was my mom. 
<laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You both are the same. <laughs> I mean, that's just incredible parenting. And I love that they're doing CrossFit together. Well, and I love that we got to talk more about his passion and background for theater because mm-hmm. it, as he spoke to it, that's not something I think many people know about him, mm-hmm. but you can hear when he talks about it. That's what fuels his fire. That's what gets him pumped up. So totally. it's, it was really cool to learn a little bit more about that. And then what he's doing next, which is so exciting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I feel like we need to take a trip out to LA to see him at the and Hollywood the Bowl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what we need. Yeah, to do. absolutely. Book it. <laughs> so on the next episode of the show, oh, we have someone it. that's completely undermining all my fitness. <laughs> Her name is Greer Gilchrist, and she owns Harbinger Bakery in Charleston, and she's made quite the name for herself in the food scene here. Yeah. And one thing I've learned about her is she has a real set of core values that she has built into her business. And I can't wait to dive into that with her, yeah. And because uh, we do the same for our gym. Yeah, no, she just really bakes everything with love. It is true. Yeah. She does. It's all made with love. So yeah, we'll be with Greer next episode of Rhapsody Radio, a talk about baking in your core values into your business. I love it. Awesome. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Rhapsody Radio. This show is produced by Lindsay Collins with LMC Sound Systems. You can find us at RhapsodyRadio.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Rhapsody Radio Show. You can also email us at info at RhapsodyRadio.com. Rate, review, and share the show. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.